What up, family? Welcome to episode 117 of The Genius Life. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Genius Life. I'm your host, Max Lugavira, filmmaker, health and science journalist, and the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Genius Foods and The Genius Life. I'm so excited to have you here with me for this episode, in which we discuss a topic that many of you have asked me to cover in the past, and that is thyroid health. And on the show today, I've got two people who are uh, highly qualified to talk about this topic. One is Marnie Wasserman, who is a nutritionist and a natural chef, uh, and... The other guest is uh, her husband, um, Jesse Chappas. Both of them together co-host the Ultimate Health Podcast, which is a top 100 health uh, iTunes podcast, and I've had the pleasure of being on it twice. Um, and the reason why we talk about uh, thyroid health and specifically Hashimoto's thyroiditis uh, over the course of the next uh, hour is that it's a condition that Marnie herself suffered from, and it wasn't until she made a few profound discoveries in the world of nutrition and, of course, lifestyle where she was really able to get the condition under control, manage her symptoms, and much more. So I'm pumped for you guys to listen to this. And whether or not you are concerned about thyroid health, uh, you're gonna learn a lot over the course of the next hour. As is usually the case, the conversation oscillates between a number of different topics. We let it flow freely here on The Genius Life. And uh, one of the other topics that we talk about is red light therapy. Um, Marnie and Jesse happen to be big fans of uh, red light photobiomodulation. Um, that's not a topic that we've covered uh, on the show thus far. Um, the, and that basically is the power of uh, certain wavelengths of light, namely red light, near infrared light, far infrared light, to modulate your health in a powerful way. So. Um, yeah, there's a lot here, and uh, I'm psyched to have you. Yeah, that's just the God's honest truth. This episode of the show is powered by my good friends at Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic makes a line of medicinal mushroom-infused coffees and elixirs. I happen to be a huge fan of Lion's Mane, and I like to buy it from Four Sigmatic either in their instant coffee mixes, these little packets that uh, contain organic freeze-dried coffee um, with a very small and controlled dose of caffeine, so I never find myself getting the jitters after consuming it. Um, and to me, that's a great way to get this uh, mushroom that that, you know, an admittedly limited body of evidence, but there's something there in the in the literature seems to suggest that lion's mane can um, actually have cognition supporting um, properties. So I like to integrate uh, lion's mane whenever I can. And if I'm not drinking their coffee, I'm sipping on a cup of their lion's mane elixir, which is caffeine free and still gives you that sort of cognitive jolt without um, being a stimulant. So you can drink it any time of day. I'm also a huge fan of reishi which uh, can be consumed any time of day as well. These mushrooms, one of the cool things about these mushrooms is that they're thought of as adaptogens. They basically help your body better cope with stress. That could be in the morning, that could be in the evening, but they don't sedate you. So yeah, give them a try. If you wanna check out um, or explore anything that Four Sigmatic has to offer, um, they have a lot of really cool information at their website. All you gotta do is go to foursigmatic.com slash max or use promo code max and you'll get to save 15% off of everything and anything in their online store. foursigmatic.com slash max or use promo code max for 15% off. This episode of the show is also powered by Teton Waters Ranch. Teton Waters Ranch makes a number of really delicious and super healthy uh, beef products like um, really delicious burgers and sausages and hot dogs. Uh, and all of their products are made using 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef. Their beef comes only from cattle that has been fed grass for the entirety of their lives. They graze on the pasture openly, super uh, humanely. They're never confi confined to a feedlot and they never eat corn or grain, never grass pellets. They only eat the real thing, folks, and uh, whether it's their um, pre-seasoned burgers or their breakfast sausages or uh, their hot dogs. When was the last time you ate a hot dog and honestly thought that it was healthy? If you're getting your hot dogs from anybody other than Teton Waters Ranch, um, that's a mistake, you guys. So I've teamed up with them, uh, and they have graciously decided to support this episode of the show. And if you want to check out anything that Teton Waters Ranch has to offer, you can go to Teton, T-E-T-O-N, Waters, W-A-T-E-R-S, Ranch, R-A-N-C-H, 
patreon.com slash max uh, to check out our partnership. And you can find Teton Waters Ranch at major supermarkets all around the U.S. Uh, they sell them at Whole Foods. That's where I get them. If you live in L.A., they sell Teton Waters Ranch stuff at Erewhon. Just amazing quality beef. Um, I'm, I feel super good about eating their products. And uh, know that I'm getting all those delicious, healthy fats, quality protein, um, creatine, and the like. So again, check out tetonwatersranch.com slash max. And uh, yeah. All right, guys. We're just seconds away from my chat with Jesse Chappis and Marnie Wasserman, the intrepid married hosting duo behind the ultimate health podcast where we are going to talk about all things thyroid health hashimoto's thyroiditis autoimmunity um, red light therapy and so much more uh i'm so psyched for you to listen to this episode um before we dive in i just want to take a second to shower itunes user eco warrior with thanks for leaving this glowing review and five-star rating uh for the show on itunes eco warrior wrote i truly appreciate not only the nutrition advice that Max puts out there, but also cautions of potentially detrimental things that most people engage in on a daily basis. Well, Eco Warrior, yeah, I'm glad that you're picking up what I'm putting down. Um, really grateful that you've taken time out of your, uh, I'm sure, busy day to um, you know share with the iTunes community what you thought about the genius life and that you left us a five-star review. I'm just very grateful, so thank you. And to all you guys out there who've taken a moment to leave that rating or that review or spread the word about the show on social media. Thank you. You guys can join my newsletter at maxlugavir.com. You can join my text message community at uh, by texting 310-299-9401. Subscribe to my channel on YouTube, youtube.com slash maxlugavir. We got lots of cool videos coming out uh, soon. And yeah, love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. And now, without further ado, on with the show. All right, we're rolling. Jesse and Marnie, thank you guys so much for uh, being with me on The Genius Life. Thank you for having us. Thank you. We're excited. Yeah, you guys are the... First of all, this is the first time I've ever had a duo on my show. So that right there is a milestone. So thanks for sharing that that moment with me. Um, you guys are the co-hosts of the Ultimate Health Podcast, uh, which I'm sure some of my listeners are going to be familiar with, especially those who've discovered me through you, because I've been on your show twice at this point now, which... It's always dope when I get to have a conversation with you guys because um, you ask great questions. What are the kinds of things that uh, that you cover on the Ultimate Health Podcast? Well, you know, that's it's got an umbrella title for a reason because we had the plan to kind of bring in all kinds of different topics. So that includes everything from fitness to nutrition to mindset to finances, anything that can enhance the well-being of anyone. So over the years, we've evolved ourselves in our own health journey and our different interests so that we have been able to bring on the guests that kind of more or less match where we're at in our point in time. But also we love just hearing the conversation around, um, you know, different authors who have books and uh, different messages to share that we know their audience is going to love. So it's been it's been all encompassing and it's been really fun. And Max, as you know, there's so many different perspectives in the health and wellness space. So, you know, you've probably noticed this yourself hosting the show for quite some time now. You have different guests on and there's so many different perspectives. And for us to try and, you know, facilitate conversations all under one realm, that would be such a challenge. And it would be, I think, less of a quality experience for our listeners. What we want to do is bring the full spectrum to the listeners and then let them decide what's best for them at that time in their life. I am. Um, I'm interested to uh, if you can just unpack that a little bit, because I feel like I am a lot of the guests that I've had on are pretty cohesive in terms of like the, the you know, there's there's sort of like a unifying principle, I think, among all the guests that I've had or most of the guests that I've had on the show. But what do you do when you've got guests on that maybe have like a different viewpoint than the one that you know that your listeners are maybe used to hearing. Like how do you create space for them to share that that difference in opinion um, while still, uh, you know, kind of like bringing your perspective, your point of view into the mix? Yeah, I mean, it's it's an ongoing challenge doing that. But the way we look at it is just, we do a lot of research before each and every interview. 
And we're just trying to bring that person's unique perspective and bring them in their best light. And, and yeah, we have, again, so many different perspectives from paleo to keto to vegan to raw vegan. And we just find that everybody has these, these key takeaways and, and things that can apply across the board. So it's just about bringing whatever we can and digging all the nuggets out from that guest and then allowing them to, you know, shine in their own light. And as an interviewer, I guess for me, it's just try, like, I, I do like to get my perspective in there, but I also like to, to be more of a journalist where I go in there and I'm just probing and picking at different things and trying to uncover different information based on what that guest expertise is. And I do find that we have an audience with varying interest levels. So we do have people who are interested in hearing the keto message, people who are interested in hearing the vegan message. So it's nice that we have that broad spectrum across the board that different guests are going to appeal to different people. And at the same time, like Jesse said, even if a guest has a differing opinion than what they might be used to or what their values are, we do find that there is common threads among a lot of our guests for just general things that people can take away. So hopefully there are you know, baseline health messages that people can take home. But I think that's what's made our podcast so popular is that it is so diverse and that we continue to attract so many different people. And we try and keep more or less a neutral stance. But Jesse and I, obviously, we do bring our opinions in here and there if we agree or disagree with a different guest. But it's nice to to be able to just have that platform that's wide ranging. And I think what you touched on, Marnie, a little bit earlier on is the fact that our show kind of evolves as we evolve through the health and wellness space where we've been doing the show for about six years now and our journey has really unfolded as we've done the show. So looking back at old episodes and looking at different pockets of episodes at different times, you can kind of see where our focus is and what we're doing in our own development at that time. So it's almost like unpacking a journal and looking back over the last six years and looking at our evolution. Mm -hmm. So that's going to continue to change as well over the years. Yeah, very it, true. It's so cool. And that really only happens when you allow differing viewpoints to come on the show. It reminds me of this uh, time that I once went on. I was interviewed, interviewed by this Australian chick who has a podcast. I'm not going to name her, but... Uh, we had this amazing interview, she, you know, and I'm out there like you can do it doesn't it's very pretty easy to do your research on me and, and, and glean from the Internet, like the principles that I stand for. So meanwhile, this 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 girl had me on her show. We had a great conversation. And even after the conversation, which went on for an hour. She stood we we stayed on Skype for 20 minutes where she was like picking my brain about book launches and I was like, oh, this girl's like really nice. We had a great conversation. I left feeling like really, really good about the experience. Only like a month later to get an email from her team saying that they're not, they've decided to pull my podcast. They're not going to air it because she's, she turned vegan and her boyfriend is vegan. And my just be, and I wasn't even talking about meat. I swear to God, like on the episode that was like not part of the conversation because I was talking about my latest book which is not really, you know, I mean, there's like a nutritional component to it, but I was so angered by that. I was like, long story short, I was like, this is a, this is an example of somebody who has a platform and who's actively censoring viewpoints from her audience. What a disservice to one's audience. So I just want to say, I applaud you guys for, um, you know, for welcoming, welcoming that diversity of viewpoints, even when you don't necessarily agree with those viewpoints. And I, I think it keeps it fun and it also keeps us constantly looking at what we're doing and evaluating because, we don't claim to, you know, know everything and to be at our fixed point at this point in our evolution. You know, we're both in our 30s and, and we got a long way to go and a lot more learning to do. And when we when we're interviewing people, again, we come across more as a journalist who's interested in probing and learning rather than the expert who's, you know, has this this stagnant point of view that doesn't really budge. Totally relate to that. So what are, for for my listeners who have not listened to the Ultimate Health Podcast, what's your guys' backgrounds? Like, how did you guys come to health and wellness? Everybody's got a cool story, so I like to lead with that. So my background's in nutrition and fitness. I was very immersed in that world for many, many years. And I, you know, I did my background. I did my training in nutrition. And then I went on to become a chef. And then I opened up a cooking studio. So my whole world was was food. Cooking food, educating about food, teaching. And 
it was in the vegetarian space because that's what I was for a number of years. So I was, you know, knee deep in that. I wrote a book, Plant-Based Diet for Dummies. I, you know, did many, um, you know, a TV appearance and talk show. And it was just, it was, it was fun for many years. And then Jesse and I met somewhere along that journey. Um, and Jesse came from the space of being a chiropractor and we were living in two separate cities. We came together, started dating, became an item. And within that first year of us being together, Jesse proposed the concept of the podcast, and that was the start of our evolution together. And Jesse was also vegetarian, so we kind of had this perspective of of health in a very, you know, looking back, it seemed very limited and very kind of one-sided, and that's where we were looking from that lens from. And when we were a couple together early on, it just seemed like, you know, this was the path we were going to follow together and the, the beginning stages of our podcast was, as Jesse said, you know, it's been following our evolution. It was more or less kind of in that we were bringing on guests who were vegetarian and focusing on superfoods and that whole world. And it was, th- that was the start of our journey, Jess, wouldn't you say? Yeah. And looking back and thinking about it now, it's interesting because we were both in that realm And that was where we were focusing all our attention as well. That was the books we were reading, the YouTube videos we were watching, the different, you know, shows and conferences and things we attended. And again, that's that's the guests that we were interviewing at that time. So we were kind of in a bubble thinking back. And that's, again, why it's so interesting. And maybe we've gone the other way with the show and we, you know, interview vegetarians, vegans, the whole spectrum because we've learned, because we've gotten ourselves narrowed down into that that bubble. And, and now it's like, you know, we've learned from that lesson and, and evolved from there. And it was through our podcast and interviewing different guests that I was able to make some discoveries about my own health. You know, after interviewing people like El Russ and Isabella Wentz, people who really knew about thyroid health. And I was myself going through some challenges at the time and I had no idea what was going on. So I I dug deeper, did some blood tests, discovered different things about my health and found out that I had Hashimoto's. And through the journey of of learning from, again, our guests and doing my own digging with my naturopath and having that diagnosis, that forced me to transform my health. And I was already on the cusp of considering that things needed to change. Jesse was already wanting to change his diet. He wasn't feeling his optimal self. He wasn't having any specific health challenges like I was. But we knew something had to change. And that was about, I'd say, three years ago, almost four years ago now, that I started to incorporate animal protein in my diet after being vegetarian for over 10 years. And that was really, really tough for me um, at first because, you know, I had made up my mind and I thought I was going to live my life a certain way. But when I realized that from the sake of my health and doing the research on Hashimoto's and realizing that grains and soy and beans wasn't sustaining me or helping my condition at all, I had to really consider eating a different way. And once I started to do that and build back up my health, of course, with the help of supplements and lifestyle changes and so many other things, which I'm happy to get more into if if the conversation goes that way, um, it really made a difference. And I am just so grateful, again, for having the people that we've had on the podcast to have helped directed me in that way. And of course the knowledge and foundation that I already had for my own work and uh, studies that I've done in nutrition. So it's just been such a fun, it's been such a fun pattern of, of my life. And it's interesting, the difference between me and you, you mentioned how before you were ready to make a change in your diet, I was already thinking that way and kind of, you know, probing a little bit and seeing if you were into maybe evolving a little bit And because you were teaching cooking classes and they're plant-based and you had just written plant-based diet for dummies and you were still, you know, writing that out and and that was still a big part of your message and what you were doing, you had that whole aspect because you were known in Toronto and Canada, even outside of Canada, as the plant-based girl. So you had this whole persona and whole business built around it. Whereas myself as a chiropractor, it didn't really affect me as much making that change in evolution. Yeah, it takes a lot of courage when you wear a diet, particularly as like an identity, which I think many people do. When you look around and you see people that literally have their diets in their handles on social media, you know, 
Um, mm. It's got to, it takes real courage to then admit to yourself that this isn't working. I've got to pivot. So it was Hashimoto's, right? That really was the, the catalyst for you trying to figure out what was going on that ultimately led to that pivot, right? Yeah. Well, first I was feeling different symptoms. My digestion was off. I was having skin irritations. I was feeling sluggish. My my face just looked puffy. I just didn't feel like myself because for a number of years, I will admit, I was thriving on the vegetarian diet when I first made that transition. And I think that's a common theme for a lot of people. And I wasn't even someone who was eating a bad diet before, but I was eating well, became vegetarian, felt even better for a period of time. And then I started to feel those symptoms and started to look into things a bit deeper. So it took probably about two years to get that diagnosis. For a number of years, I was like, it could be candida. It could be, you know, just um, IBS or some kind of dysbiosis. But I had no idea until I got the blood work done. And once it was confirmed that it was Hashimoto's and I started digging into that information, everything made sense. And then I started to support my thyroid gland, started to support my health, changing my diet, all these things coming into place. And I'd say over the last three, four years, I've really transformed my health and brought those antibody levels down, which is a big component of Hashimoto's, which is your antibody levels are high because it's inflammatory. And it significantly has changed my whole well-being. So it's it's amazing what you can do once you have the right information and you can go and tackle it from that angle and zero in on it. And it makes all the difference. And I think it was humbling for us, too, because we thought we had everything dialed in. And this, again, was the way we were going to live our life. And it's probably a good thing in the big scheme of things that this happened to us at a relatively early part in our journey of health and wellness. Because now, again, the show is the way it is because we were open to the fact that this is just a constant evolution and a constant learning. So... We're definitely humble now and we're open to things continuing to change. I love that. What is, for listeners who are not familiar, what is Hashimoto's? Hashimoto's is an inflammatory disease of the thyroid gland. So it's when the body attacks itself, specifically the thyroid gland, and it can cause a varying degree from hyperthyroidism to hypothyroidism. And ultimately, the symptoms of hypothyroidism, which are some of what I explained in terms of feeling puffy. Some people tend to gain a lot of weight. I didn't tend to have that symptom. Um, feeling fatigued, feeling different skin irritations in the body, um, feeling hot or cold. You can kind of fluctuate between both and just feeling um, very lethargic and just not vibrant. So there's, there's, you know, a laundry list of different symptoms. So that's why it can be very hard to diagnose because a lot of people would just be like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I got that. I got headaches. I've got <laughs> all those things. But it really comes down to getting the right testing. And once you see that the inflammatory markers, specifically the antibodies, are high, then that can give you the diagnosis of, of Hashimoto specifically. Because a lot of people have different thyroid conditions where you can just have different imbalances between your T3, T4, which would signify hyper or hypothyroidism, but it's the antibody specifically that would tell you that you have Hashimoto's and in essence, it's inflammatory. So and yeah. I was gonna say, and I think why a lot of times it's confusing to diagnose and the symptoms can be all over the place is because when your body's actually attacking your thyroid gland, and destroying that gland, that's when you get the increase in hormones and you become hyper mm -hmm. versus when that gland starts to get destroyed over time and then you're not producing the hormones and then you can go hypo. So exactly. you're going to kind of swing back and forth depending on everybody's going to present differently, but it can swing back and forth. Yes. And it is an autoimmune condition. So it's classified in the autoimmune category. So it's often misdiagnosed and sometimes it takes years, sometimes it takes years before women find out that that is what they are suffering from most people when they go to the doctor they get they simply get like their tsh measured yes and you're, and you're saying that's a pretty poor uh or it's just like a very incomplete picture as to how you're very is incomplete doing. you got it yeah it's just showing you know a very small window of what's going on at the thyroid gland and that's why it's so important to be an advocate for your health and tell your doctor what you need so you want your t3 your t4 your thyroid antibodies and ideally your reverse T3 as well. And you can go as far as getting things like your vitamin D and selenium and checking different nutrients because typically 
with hypothyroidism and with Hashimoto's, those nutrients are depleted because there's a gut dysbiosis. Often it comes back down to, and I know you're big on this, you know, and everyone is these days with leaky gut because when there's a gut dysbiosis, the body's just not absorbing what it needs to. So when you get those nutrient levels checked and you see, and there's a common thread of typically iron, vitamin D, selenium are typically low with Hashimoto's. So ask for the blood work to be done because all of those check boxes will be marked off and then you'll have kind of, you'll have more of a complete picture to know what's going on in your body. And the common problem with conventional treatment is that the underlying autoimmune condition isn't addressed. So you can address the hormones and try and balance those. But if you're not getting to the root of the problem and bringing that, you know, that attack on the thyroid, getting that under control, then you're really not getting to the root. Exactly. And I started like when I, I was working with a functional medicine team to help me with my diagnosis. And instead of going right to thyroid, which is what a lot of people do is they'll get on a thyroid medication or they'll, you know, maybe go on Synthroid or just go right for the thyroid. There's so much more to the puzzle, as I just explained, in terms of gut dysbiosis. So we actually tackled the gut first. We worked with the gut. We worked with the inflammation. And then we got to the thyroid. And then we started to look at different supplements or – and sometimes some medication is needed or desiccated forms of thyroid hormone are needed depending on you know the levels or where people are going. And I'm on a natural desiccated thyroid now. But I didn't start there. I started with inflammation working with the gut and bringing things back in balance. So yeah, as Jesse just said, you know, it's so important to not just look at the end result to really unravel the layers and figure out what's going on. And that can really be done with a good team. And a piece of that puzzle for you in the beginning when you're tackling the diet was the AIP diet. So if you want to talk about maybe what AIP is, stands for, and how that was a tool that you used early on to get things under control. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a big piece of the puzzle. So, you know, that's, um, yeah, the AIP diet is, oh my gosh, now I can't even think my brain's <laughs> <laughs> autoimmune protocol, right? Autoimmune protocol. So we got the autoimmune protocol. So it really is an elimination diet. It's pretty intensive for a lot of people when they see the list of foods that are involved in it. Cause it really takes a lot of things out, but really it's, quite balanced when you you really consider the foods that are in there because it's a lot of good quality animal protein, a lot of good healthy fats, lots of greens, lots of veggies, moderate amounts of fruit. But what you are eliminating and which can be tough for a lot of people is things like nuts and eggs and seeds and chocolate and coffee um, and just giving your body a break. So, you know, it, it's a really well thought out diet for the autoimmune system because it just removes any variables that can affect how you're feeling. So I, you know, I went on it for about 30 days, more or less, 30 to 60 days. I kind of toyed with it in the second month and just kind of assessed how I was feeling because a big part of the protocol is to bring back in different foods at different stages so you can see how your body is doing. So I did that. And then over time, that's kind of when I was transitioning into eating more paleo. So that was a really good first step for me to reevaluate my diet and then to bring the foods back in. And I didn't really find any specific food triggers, but some people do. They find, oh my gosh, whenever I eat almonds, I have a reaction or a flare up or I'm feeling really off. So it's a really healthy way to approach potentially some of the inflammatory foods that can be aggravating your system. What's wrong with chocolate? <laughs> well, I would say nothing's wrong with chocolate. <laughs> there was that was the heart. Honestly, that was the hardest one for me to bring out. But it's just in the autoimmune protocol, they tick off some of the different foods that could potentially be aggravating to the system. So because you know different forms of chocolate for sure have varying amounts of caffeine in it, um, the components of chocolate itself, some people find can be harsh on the body. So it's just taking out any variable that you know wouldn't affect inflammation. So I think chocolate was probably one of the first things I brought back in because I wasn't feeling any aggravation from chocolate, but some people do, some people react to it. So yeah, that's, I think that one's subjective personally. Hey guys, just want to take a quick intermission to let you know about one of my favorite companies in the health food space. And that is Navitas. Navitas makes a line of super delicious, organic, shelf-stable, dried berries. Um, if you've never had goji berries or golden berries, you are missing out, my friend. I go to Navitas for all of my dried berry needs. I also buy my cacao nibs from them. They're delicious. Again, they're organic. Also, my 
cacao powder that I will use when I'm whipping up a Dalgona or to throw into smoothies and things like that. They make maca. All their stuff is super high quality. Um, their Whole Foods products never have any added sugar um, that I know of at least. And uh, just really great quality stuff. And I'm super happy to support them. If you want to check out anything that Navitas uh, sells, all you got to do is go to navitasorganics.com, N-A-V-I-T-A-S organics.com slash genius. And you'll get to save 30% off your entire order um, at that site. It's active for everybody. There's no expiration date. Navitasorganics.com slash genius will get you 30% off of your entire order. Definitely check out the Golden Berries. They are bomb. All right. Now back to the interview with Jesse and Marty. Love that. So how did you then bite the bullet to uh, to welcome meat back to the table? And why why meat specifically? Like what 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 is it in meat that uh, helps to support thyroid health? Yeah, big big question because it wasn't when I made the decision to bring meat back in. It was actually just before I got the diagnosis, so I was already starting to consider that bringing eggs, chicken, fish, and then meat itself, red meat specifically, was uh, was needed to be brought back into my diet. So let's just look at the whole picture of animal protein. When I started to reevaluate my diet and realized that grains, soy, and beans were potentially aggravating my diet and or aggravating my gut, let's say, and those needed to come out what things could I bring in to help sustain me and help me feel more optimal and more satiated? And, you know, that's where the conversation, again, through a lot of conversations in the podcast, through my naturopath, through reading books, realizing that I was missing certain nutrients, things being like, you know, iron and different kinds of amino acids that are present in animal protein that I wasn't getting from plant-based proteins and, and um, saturated fats. So I started very slowly, and that's where I think this is when Jesse and I were first thinking about bringing animal protein in, and that's when eggs and fish came in pretty easily. And then when animal, like, oh, sorry, when chicken and meat came in, that was really, really hard for me to get my head around because I hadn't had it in so long. So it was just, it was a bit of a process. But when I started doing my research about hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's and seeing that, again, those nutrients the nutrient-dense proteins and uh, different um, the collagen and gelatin that's present in meat was just so important for my body and to help rebuild my gut, help to rebuild um, my my organs and specifically my thyroid gland. It made such a difference for me when I started learning about it, and of course when I started introducing those foods into my diet, and I could feel it. I could actually feel how my body was starting to thrive in ways that it hadn't before. Love that. Now, had you been a meat abstainer for uh, what, you know, for, for health reasons or was it like more of an ethical decision? It was definitely a little bit of both. I had eliminated meat at first because I did believe that it wasn't sustaining for a long-term health diet because when I was doing all my research in terms of plant-based nutrition and health and vegetarianism, I just couldn't find any case of time that supported that animal protein was good for longevity and for um, for day-to-day thriving. And I was an animal lover. So it was really tough for me to get my head around, you know, continuing to eat meat when I was already learning this information. So I, it was a little bit of both. Very interesting. And so, yeah, I mean, did you guys, Jesse, were you at the time still vegetarian when Marnie began to integrate meat back into her diet? I think, at that time, maybe I started including meat a little bit earlier, but it was around the same time because we were, you know, we met through this health world and we met as vegetarians and we were a couple and we were, you know, we were sharing our message together. I think it was like, I think eventually I knew I was going to start including meat, but I was kind of giving Marnie some time to, you know, find her way and see if that was going to be right for her. So I do think we started around the same time, but I was a lot quicker to embrace and, and be easier with, you know, consuming meat. Love that. So important. It is so hard to date somebody who's on like a, a different, a radically different diet than you. So that's got to be one of the most stressful things in any relationship. My One of my brothers is dating a amazing girl, but vegan. And it just makes like the family dinner so much more complicated. 
because uh, you know we're all eating dinner together because of the, like the COVID stuff. Um, it's great to be like aligned in uh in in terms of your diet. And I remember too early on, Marnie had actually said when she was before we started dating, and she had made this list of what she was looking for in a partner. It was so important to her. One of the things she had written down was that her partner would be vegetarian. So I think I knew this like earlier on in the relationship when we were both, you know, excited that we came together and we had this same philosophy about what we ate. And that was, you know, a core thing for us. Again, we were, we're, we've been obsessed about this health and wellness space and um, in it for so long that, you know, diet is just, it's not just food for us. It was, it was a big part of our day-to-day life. And again, Marnie being a nutritionist, her being a chef and just food was such a big part of our life. And it was, it was great that we both could evolve relatively around the same time, because like you said, it's, it's just so hard when one partner is just on such a different page. So difficult. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the foods that you removed, uh, Marnie, what is it about, you mentioned grains and beans. I think you might've said nuts. What is about those foods, um, that, you know, that can hinder, uh, thyroid function? Well, there's a lot of plant foods that can really affect digestion, and that does include things like grains and beans and nuts. They have different components to them that containing things like lectins and um, um, other anti-nutrients that can affect digestion. And I wasn't noticing any apparent feelings of this for so many years. It's amazing how I went from digesting plant foods so well to all of a sudden something happened with my gut and I just, I couldn't break these foods down. I was noticing them in my stool. I was just feeling anytime that I ate a grain bowl or something with beans or a gluten-free bread or even a spelt bread, something with ancient grains, I was reacting to it. So it's just, my body was taking these foods and having a very difficult time breaking them down. And when I started, again, learning about these foods and what could be happening to me, and again, I have to go back to the fact that I was a nutritionist. I was in this world. I was cooking these things properly. Like I wasn't just eating run-of-the-mill beans and eating refined grains. I was eating really good quality plant-based foods. But my body was obviously in a place where it just couldn't handle them. So I think it's really important to address that these foods do have a place in a in a healthy diet. But I think it's really important to assess where your health is on the spectrum and make sure that you do bring them in in a healthy way. But I, you know, limiting them for a period of time is essential to see what actually works in your body. And for me, it took about two, three years to be able to reintroduce these foods back in. And now the odd time I can say that I am now able to handle a little bit of gluten-free grain here and there and a little bit of sprouted beans. But now that I've flipped the ratio and it's mostly fats and animal protein, it's, it's like, it's like, you know, a well operating system. My digestion is so much more efficient now and keeping the greens in there for, you know, the fiber, it just, it, to my, my body's just handling it so much better. And I think you get to a point too, when you start eliminating these different things where if you're not going to include meat, and a significant amount, it's like, where are you going to get your calories from? So if you were going to start eliminating things and, and you did as part of your healing journey, it's like, I got to make up for those calories somewhere. And obviously meat is a dense source of calories. So it's just all fitting. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and it was more satiated too. I actually felt fuller from eating quality fats and animal protein than I was on, you know, grain-based meals or things with beans, even though those can be kind of filling in a different way from the fiber, but I felt more satisfied. I felt more like my body was actually thriving now. And I want to point out too, when it comes to meat for us, quality is essential. Like we're all about organic, local and shopping at farmer's markets and, and doing all the quote unquote cliche things. But we're a little bit more lax when it comes to vegetables. So if we're going, you know, to a Thai restaurant, if we're going out on a date or something and we're eating an atypical meal and we're going to, you know, do something like that periodically, we're going to allow ourselves not to get all, you know, tight and rigid about are these vegetables organic? But when it comes to meat, Marnie and I, and this has been since day one, we started including meats back into the diet. We're all about grass-fed, organic, pasture-raised. Like, 
it's it's essential for us to have the best quality. So, Otherwise, we'll just go vegetarian that for that meal. Yeah, I was just going to ask. So if you're out at a restaurant and they don't have organic grass-fed meat, wild fish, you'll have a vegetarian meal, essentially. That's what we'll do. That'll be very, again, periodic because we're lucky enough to have certain restaurants where we live where we can go and have clean meals. And we typically go to those on a regular basis. But we will go for Thai food or if we're going, you know, a family get-together. You mentioned getting together and eating with family. If we're going to a place where, you know, there's good vegetarian options, maybe we'll get a stir fry or something like that and and make modifications but eat vegetarian for that meal because, again, we will never compromise on, on quality of meat. The satiety-inducing effects of protein cannot be understated. I feel like to get the same – to reach the same degree of satiety with plant foods, you really have to, you know, optimize for fiber. And for people who are not – used to eating lots and lots of fiber i mean it could be like bloating you know bloat city you know after a meal of just all vegetables to to reach the same degree of satiety there was a study it literally just came out in preprint yesterday you know as of this recording i think we're like first week in april in may so it just came out but they looked at the satiety inducing effects of a low fat uh, vegetarian diet compared to a keto um, and animal inclusive based diet. And they found that the vegetarian, the low fat vegetarian diet was more satiating. So the, the subjects in the crossover trial ate to the same degree of satiety um, as when they were given the more omnivorous diet, but they ended up consuming about 600 calories less on average. And I looked at the diets because, you know, I was I assumed that the ketogenic diet would have had higher levels of protein. It was actually a pretty low protein diet. It was actually very low protein, very high fat. And then I looked at the, the low fat plant based diet and it had three times the fiber. It had 60 grams of fiber in it. So, I mean, for you to 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 be satiated on a you know, on a vegetarian diet, you've got to be eating lots of fiber, which induces that mechanical stretching of the stomach. But for people who are not used to it, I mean, that's going to lead to, I mean, digestive discomfort, among other things. Absolutely. And that's what I was experiencing. So after a number of years, I think my body just couldn't handle it. And I was having this autoimmune attack on my body. So it was just this, you know, cause for disaster. And any meal that I was eating that I thought would have been satisfying was actually, you know, causing me to feel gassy and bloated. And when I eliminated those foods specifically, exactly what we're talking about, the beans, the grains, um, it, it made such a difference that I couldn't even believe that a day could go by where I wasn't feeling bloated or gassy. I was like, oh my gosh, is that all it took? And when I started to consider going grain free, which seems so you know, hard to someone who was vegetarian for a number of years. It was, it was so enlightening and it was so fun for me as a chef too, in a culinary perspective, because I got to experiment. I got to find all these alternatives to things like rice and wraps and, um, you know, breads that I could make from scratch and use things like sweet potato and cassava and, you know, experiment with different kinds of plant vegetables in, sorry, in plant, um, plant foods in different ways that I can get inspired in the kitchen. And at the time I was still teaching a bit of cooking classes. So I was able to use that information and also share it. And then for me and Jesse too, it was just amazing because as we were making these radical changes at home and we needed substitutes for our common denominators on our plates, it, it was just super fun. And it's amazing that, that there is a whole world out there now. And of course we're seeing all these companies and brands come out with alternatives to things like tortillas and chips. And of course you have to be an advocate and look at all the ingredients of these foods, but it's nice to see that we're seeing a shift in the food industry as well. That's accommodating these different dietary preferences. And I think it's only fair to point out too, that we've really been focusing in on food, but at that time, and I'm sure maybe people listening can tell we had a lot of our other lifestyle things locked in in a really good way like the water we were drinking was filtered we had you know we were exercising had a lot of movement in our day-to-day but i think an important thing to highlight is part of your healing was to simplify life Mm -hmm. and we've been talking about these cooking classes and this isn't something you're doing anymore and actually we don't live in the big city anymore our story just to kind of tie it together from before it was a long distance relationship for a number of years and we actually lived four hours apart And most weekends, I would drive into Toronto where Marnie lived 
and we'd spend the weekend together and then I'd drive back and, and work in my practice throughout the week. And it ends up after a certain period of time, one of us obviously had to make the move and I ended up closing down my practice, retiring from chiropractic because the podcast had grown to a certain point by then. And I could have never obviously in the beginning envisioned it getting to that. Uh, but we were lucky enough the show grew to that point. I got to go to Toronto and Marnie's going through this, this time in this year that I'm there in Toronto where her diet's changing. She's going through this healing and she's teaching these cooking classes, as you just said, as you're evolving. But you ended up getting to a point where, you know, you needed to make other changes in your lifestyle and start simplifying. And maybe I'll let you take over from there, Martin, and talk about some of the things, how simplifying your life was was a big, important step for you in your healing. Huge part of it. And who knows could be the biggest part of it. Yeah. In that year, you know, running a brick and mortar business in a very busy city and seeing the growth of our online business going parallel with that, I was like, what am I doing? What am I doing spending so much time and money and energy on a business that, yes, was serving me well, it was making money, but it was a lot of work. And, you know, I had been doing it 10 years, I'd kind of come to my end point where I'm like, that chapter could close now, I could go in a different direction. And as Jesse said, the podcast was becoming such a success. And we were realizing what our life was entailing by being inundated with the influx of so many distractions in a busy city and the impact it was having on our mental well-being. So we started to explore living somewhere different, which was Jesse's hometown. So we ended up moving back to where Jesse came from into a smaller city and reassessing our whole lifestyle. We wanted quiet. We wanted more space. We wanted more freedom, which we were both now going to be getting the fact that Jesse had closed you know, his business, I closed up mine. Now we were online. So we had more time in our day. And I needed that time to heal. I needed that time to not be running to a studio every day and figuring out how to, you know, fill classes and pay staff, pay utilities, just the stresses that comes with, again, a physical business. It was life changing, you know, really in itself. And we made that move. And here we are now in a smaller city. It's been three years. I can't believe it that we're in a different city and we've had time to really put our healing at the forefront. We invested in a sauna in our home. We take lots of walks, get out in nature and we play with our dog and now we have a child. <laughs> so there's a whole evolution to that. But Jesse's right. Like the, just the, the lifestyle change and the simplifying that can't be understated. It, it's so important. I think people get so caught up with maybe just focusing in only on the diet and then, you know, keeping their busy lifestyle that could be really stressful and causing so much more inflammation and not doing some of the core things that can actually contribute to overall well-being. And this is a decision we make over and over again over time where we prioritize simplicity and keeping things simple and focused. And as different opportunities open up for us, we have to be aware of that. As everything comes up day to day into our life, we have to evaluate and see if that's something that's going to add to our end goal and where we're at now, or if it's going to, you know, make things more complex and more stressful. So it's, it's an ongoing thing. You mentioned that you now use uh, filtered water and you have a sauna. So walk me through and my listeners through some of the other daily rituals that you guys have embraced, uh, to reach your, your ultimate health. Well, first and foremost, living in a quieter city, I can't express enough how noise pollution makes such a difference to how you even think every day. So that was one thing. So quiet space, um, being able to get out outside in our backyard. So having a home now, we were living in an apartment. So having a home that has a backyard, which means we can get outside when the weather is decent. We are in Canada. <laughs> so when the weather is on our side and it's sunny outside like it is right now, we can get outside, put our feet in the grass, get some sunlight in the morning. Um, we hydrate with filtered water. So we have a Berkey water system. Um, that's one of the best filters that we have found for ourselves and our lifestyle. Over the years, we've tested different water filtration systems, and this is the one that we love. So we hydrate with that. Sometimes we are adding things to our water. Depends on what it is. It could be minerals. It could be different kinds of greens. Um, we're big fans of different variations of, you know, different greens that we could put in our water, different ways we can upgrade it. It can also just be as simple as lemon and sea salt. And the sauna is something that we got, I think, almost within the year after we moved into our home. And that was, you know, it was a big investment. It was something that we 
thought about for a while and figured, you know, this is important to us and our well-being and we had now the space for it in you know in a home versus an apartment and that's something that we were I'm, I'm saying we're in the past because I'm now a breastfeeding mama so I'm not using the sauna right now so in the past for me but Jesse is using it um it, it was a big part of our weeks you know and Jesse's still using it as I said so two to three times a week depending on a in a good phase and otherwise every once in a while but it's such an amazing um, component to add, and especially if you've got an inflammatory condition like Hashimoto's, it can really help rebalance the body and calm down the immune system. So I found that really helped me when I was in the early phases of my flare-ups. I found that it really helped my body and the way I was feeling, and not to mention, you know, just the parasympathetic aspect that it puts on on your well-being. Um, Jesse's been using a lot of red light therapy right now. Jesse, want to talk about that? Yeah, Juve has definitely become part of my morning routine, using that probably about five mornings for between 10 and 20 minutes, and just getting out for family walks. Like, just because we do have a lot of freedom in our day-to-day, we're able to, you know, take breaks throughout the day and go for a walk in the sunshine and, and debrief about, you know, different things to do with work or just life in general. And coming back to, you mentioned before, our backyard, and actually most days throughout the summer i'm out there working on my laptop outside so i'm getting the you know the a lot of junk light coming out of the laptop but i'm getting a lot of natural light as i'm working so it goes on and on and it's an evolution we're just continuing to learn and and focus and simplify and and we're open to continuing to figure things out over time i love that you you mentioned the juve um i'm Super. Th- I think the I think the guys at Juve are going to hook me up with somebody to come on the show to to do a deep dive into this, uh, you know, red light therapy technology. But what what have you experienced? Why has it become something that you use every day? Well, it's still relatively new for me, but there is endless benefits to this technology, and I actually we're lucky enough we have a full body device, so we're getting it, it's something you want to derobe before you get in front of the light. And I mentioned before, standing in front of him for 10 to 20 minutes. And it has just, again, endless benefits, including optimizing sleep. It's, it's, uh, it can help with libido. It can help with skin. It can improve your collagen production. The list goes on and on. And actually, we had there's, – there's two co-founders of the company, and we had one on the show and, and had a great discussion too and went in depth on the, the technology and it's it's again something I'm still learning about, but they're they're actually a sponsor of the show, and it's it's something I I definitely value. That's awesome. And what kind of um, yeah, I I I have one too that uh, I guess it's full body, yeah, that they that they sent me, and I've been using it not every day, but I definitely feel uh, like I feel good after using it. And I don't. Know. I do too. Yeah, I don't. Know. I, I look forward to it. I I put a podcast on when I'm I'm down there, and sometimes I'll bring a coffee or a green tea, and it's just it it allows me to have some solo time to myself, and it has that warm feel when you're in front of it. So it's it's not something that's been hard to to make part of a staple in my routine, and and yeah, again, I'm constantly learning about all the different benefits. So. So for you, Max, is it one of the ones that's like the two rectangle panels stacked on top of each other? That's what it is. Yeah, it doesn't like wrap around my body, but it's like just a it's a you know it's my height, so it's like about a it's six foot one. This like six foot one tall panel, um, and I just stand in front of it, totally you know in my birthday suit, because <laughs> because I, I think what I've read is that you know you've got to get the light on your you know on your balls to get that boost in testosterone they did the i think they did this the 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 science has primarily come from animals where they attached the the red lights to like rat testicles and they saw like a dramatic boost in testosterone um on top of all the other like the you know the the more systemic benefits that you mentioned so and i think for us too because we live in canada and we get very dark winters where we live so it's just a nice way to get some healthy light exposure you know, for people who maybe experience, you know, seasonal affective disorder and just aren't getting that that spectrum of light, 
in their eyes and on their body. And because we absorb light more than just through our eyes, we absorb it through our skin cells. So it's just, it's nice to have that. And I think that's, you know, one of the big benefits too for us, you know, just being in the Northern hemisphere. And when Scott Nelson was on the show, we talked about it as a light supplement. And I really like that. It's not a replacement for getting a healthy dose of natural sunlight, but it can supplement that and, and add to that. Yeah, I feel that when I'm outside at certain times of day, like early morning, or I would say most significantly, like just before sunset, I get the same feeling because you're getting some of those red, you know, sort of like the blue light has sort of subsided a little bit and you get the red light from the sun when it's like just about just about sundown. Mm -hmm. And so I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, it you know, it seems like it's basically supplementing you being outside, um, you know, with minimal clothing on during that time of day, which is super and some, cool. And something else we've become more aware of in applying into our healthy routine too is not just getting that light supplement through being out in the sun and getting a healthy dose and, and using Juve, but also watching out for the junk light in our home and making modifications. So we've changed all the bulbs in our house. We wear the blue light blocking glasses and we're continuing to learn and, and we have different programs on our devices too to help block the junk light. So I think it's, I think really finding that balance between supplementing with the right light and not having the junk light. And you could use the analogy like a bad diet, like in the diet realm where you have to avoid the junk food and then eat the healthy food. And I like to think of light in that same, in that same perspective. Do you guys know, Marnie, do you know if there's been any research on red light therapy and thyroid function? Because I would assume that the light would be able to penetrate deep enough to hit the thyroid. Yes, there is. You know, that is one of the benefits of Juve. And I think they have that like right on their website, all the different benefits. They have like a really nice little infographic. And one of them is, you know, put that red light on your thyroid gland and it can help boost it. So one of the first devices we got from them was actually one of the little mini ones and which was really easy and compact, especially for me, because I, especially again, being, I was pregnant and now I'm breastfeeding mama, so I'm not standing in front of the light, although I think I could now, um, but I haven't yet. But the little device I feel confident with, so I'm putting that over my thyroid gland when I get the chance to. I'm actually reminding myself now I should, I gotta do it. <laughs> but it is supposed to boost and help the inflammation and from what they say in our conversation, in one of our early phone calls with them, I remember asking that question specifically, they said that there has been, you know, some studies of how it can actually lower the antibody levels. So that's uh, something for people to look into. Super interesting. And it helps you guys. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of sleep, what what do you guys ha have as your uh, before bed rituals to um, to make sure that you're sleeping optimally? Well, as Jesse mentioned, we you have changed a lot of our lighting around the house. So that's number one. So as the sun sets and we're turning on more lights at home, we're making sure that the lights we're turning on are dim lit using a lot of salt lamps. We have some yellow lights at home and we have something called bedtime bulbs, which is a very um, soft glow that is just not abrasive at all in the on the eyes. And we don't have any LED lights at home, except for when we open our fridge. I think that's one of the only LED lights. That yeah, we, we switched right out most of the bulbs to incandescent. And that was something we've done in the last six months. So yeah, a lot of switches in the bulbs realm. And, and wearing the blue light blocking glasses, that's something we're doing. We obviously are trying to a, we're trying to limit the exposure we're getting by, you know, not watching a ton of TV and being in front of our devices at night and getting to the source of the problem. But we do wear the blue light blocking glasses and again, the light bulbs. And then we have a dark room. So we have blackout blinds and there's no lights coming in a room for outside. There's no blinking or flashing lights in a room for many other devices. So we make sure that the quality of you know, uh, the ambiance of our room, let's say, is is conducive to sleep. We sleep on organic bedding, so that makes a difference too in, in how we're, you know, feeling throughout the night. And we, when we think of it, and we've been doing it a lot more lately, is diffusing essential oils, which is something that helps just set the mood and um, and helps us, you know, into a restful sleep depending on, depending on the night. And especially right now, you know, again, we are two tired parents with, with a three, a three month old. So it's been interesting right now with our different routines, but I think between setting the tone, thinking of when your bedtime is and 
creating the space at home with, you know, the different lighting, softer glows, watching how much you're on devices. And it could mean as much as taking a bath, whatever those little practices you can take to allow the melatonin in your body to increase and set your body up for successful sleep makes all the difference. And that's something that Jesse and I have been working towards for many, many years. We've noticed a huge difference pre-baby in in our quality of sleep for sure. And another thing I like to do is in preparing for interviews, there's often a book to read with the guests that's coming up. So I like to read physical books at night. And one thing that's easy for people to do, and it's to set it and forget it, is we put our Wi-Fi on a timer. So we have our Wi-Fi, it automatically shuts off at I think around 11 p.m. and then turns back on at around 6 a.m. So we, we're just trying to eliminate all the different stre- possible stressors and, and that's part of the picture there. That's all, Where do you get a timer like that? Is that we like got ours at Home Depot, so it's just it's just there's different ones. There's digital and there's analog, and we've actually had both, and and we're using the analog now. It's just simple and and again, it's a set it and forget it. It's one of those things that you just make a small investment. I think the the actual piece of hardware was maybe like ten dollars, and you just plug your your Wi-Fi router right into it, and then that gets plugged into the socket, and and again, we don't even have to think about it now. And if you end up getting up extra early one morning, there is an override button, so you can just slide it up, and then it'll kick your your Wi-Fi on if you need to get up and and do some research or or whatnot and get online. But in general, we just let that run, and it's it's again just trying to make it simple. At the same time, we're always just trying to make it simple, simplicity. I love that. I'm actually that's something that I that you guys taught me that I'm going to check out because I have. Uh, like a super powerful Wi-Fi router in my house. It's like the most, it's like the fastest Wi-Fi that I was able to get from my cable company. Um, and it beams it like all throughout my house. So I feel like that's something that I might look into. That's awesome. Um, I'm sure you could get it on Amazon too. Yeah, super easy to find. That's rad. Uh, well, we're almost out of time, Jesse and Marnie. I, it was a real treat having you guys on. Um, I've got just one last question for you. Uh, unless of course there's anything that, that you guys want to bring up that I didn't ask you, but, um, you know, you guys have shared so much great information with me and I really enjoyed hearing about your, uh, your journey to thyroid health, Marnie. Um, but before we get to the last question, where can listeners find you on social media and how can they listen to your podcast if they want to check that out? On social media, we're really active on Instagram. So you can find us at ultimate health podcast. And I would say just wherever you're listening to this podcast, check out the Ultimate Health Podcast and subscribe to our show. We put out a weekly show with a wider range of guests, like we said before. And Max has been on a couple of times. We've had a couple of great conversations. So I recommend starting with those. But uh, definitely check out our show. It's awesome. You guys are like such a power couple in the in the health and wellness space. Um so the last question that guys ask everybody on this show, uh, you guys can each answer it together independently, you know, take it wherever you'd like. What does it mean to you to live a genius life? For me, what comes to mind right away when you propose that is being really a critical thinker and continuing to learn and get passionate about health and wellness and and not get and this comes back to what we were talking about before not get caught up in in a rabbit hole and thinking that you have it all figured out but continuing to learn and then be a critical thinker and then apply the knowledge to the best of your ability and then continuing to evolve i love that and i think yeah i was on the same wavelength just being open minded because things do change you know as as we said you can be set in a certain way and think your life is going to pan out in a certain way whether it's you know, in a dietary realm or who you're going to marry or how things are going to look, <laughs> but being open to the evolution of, of how things can evolve and not being so hard on yourself, number one, and not being so dogmatic. So I think, you know, kind of in the same realm of Jesse, just being open-minded and thinking for yourself. I think the biggest shame in life is when somebody doesn't take the time and and at least expose themselves to the wide array information to the best of their ability. You could go crazy and, and get caught up in that as well. But to try and just be exposed to as much information as you can and then make decisions based on that that are true to you. Yeah, and to stay mentally flexible. 
you know, if I could just put the cap on, on what you just said, you know, it reminds me of what we're, we talked about at the very beginning of this episode, that some people, you know, they wear their nutrition, uh, philosophy as their identity. And then when something, when something breaks, it becomes impossible to pivot. And so, you know, I mean, at the very least, keep your, keep your diet out of your social media handle. <laughs> um, Agreed. That's yeah. a good tip. And and it, again, it comes back to what I said before. We've been humbled by this and, and realize that things are going to change. So if somebody is in that space right now where they're not open to change, hopefully they can get humbled by hearing our experience and then be a little bit more flexible. I love that. Well, thank you again, Jesse and Marnie. It's been awesome having you on. Guys, go check out the Ultimate Health Podcast. Uh, I've been on it twice. Those were excellent conversations, um, I distinctly remember. And thank you, as always, for your time and attention. Text me to let me know what you thought about this episode of the show. You can do that by hitting up 310-299-9401 if you live in the U.S. or Canada. And I will catch you on the next episode. Peace. Thanks, Max. Really enjoyed it. 